Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Alright, so we started talking about the purpose of reputation. The, the reason for reputation. That it is important for the believer that certain truths are repeated for the sake of conviction. Praise God. And that we're not just, we're not just the people who are seeking for new revelations every day. We want certain truths to be established. Peter said that. That even though you know these truths, I want you established in them. Reminding us to be established in that which we already know. And it's important when we are in a word meeting like this that we pay attention to receive the things that God is sharing with us, the truths of God's word. Now you must realize something. For instance, if you are a student of church history, we talk about uh, the process of justification by faith that was made very popular by Martin Luther. Martin Luther. But you realize that the truths that we uh, are established in today actually cost people's lives. Praise God. The, the, the truth of justification by faith, that faith is a product of, sorry, that salvation is a product of faith in Christ and not of your works, actually cost people's life. And so, these are not truths that we handle casually to just say, oh, I know it. No, no, no. We have to be deep in it. We have to be rooted in it. That even our behavior reflects the truths that we know. Are you still here? Come on, I said, are you still here? So we said in Genesis 1.26, which have been our foundational scripture, that God created man in his image and in his likeness. And that that is God's ultimate plan. A man that will represent him on the earth. That's God's plan. That's God's desire. That's what God wanted. The plan of redemption is to recreate that man. Not just like Adam in the garden, but I can represent God 100% on the earth. And so, the matter of redemption is the matter of representation. That God wanting to live in man so he can do what? Represent him on the earth. And that's why it's a big deal. Salvation is a big deal. You know, sometimes we don't think these things are big deal in Christianity anymore. For instance, if someone were to come up in church and say, Hey, pastor, I have a testimony. Say, what's your testimony? Say, oh, I just got born again. Say, it's okay. it's okay. I thought you had something better to share. Are you serious? Something better? What, what can be more better than that someone has accepted the Lord? You know, but those testimonies don't thrill us anymore. What thrills us? Oh, pastor, I got this breakthrough and I bought a house in Dubai. Say, yes, the grace of this commission is working in you. Are you joking? The Bible says that if a man has 99 sheep and one is missing, he would leave the 99 and go after the one. Can you see that God's priority is salvation? That's his priority. That's his goal. A church must not have more conferences than it has soul-winning meetings. It's wrong priority. You know, we have a lot of conferences in church. There's men, there's women, there's teenagers, there's uh, young singles about to marry, singles who are married and tired, uh, <laughs> those who want to come out of the singlehood, double singles, diamond group. We have all of these things. And yet there are people who are dying all around us. It says he will leave the 99. And go after the one. Why? Because salvation is God's priority. When Jesus came to the earth, he says, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. He was clear about his cause. You know what Paul says? Paul says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Do you know what that means? He was actually almost laying a curse on himself. Woe is not a nice word. Praise God. It's not a, it's a, war is not a nice Greek word. You know, sometimes when we hear war, we say, man, that Greek word is a powerful word. No, it's actually a curse. Have you ever thought about what it costs people to preach the gospel? 
Have you ever thought about what it cost people to bring the gospel to us? That people who brought the gospel to us, for instance, like the white missionaries who brought the gospel to us, they knew they were coming to die. They knew. Some of them knew they would not be able to survive malaria. They knew it was a conscious and deliberate act. Why? Because they had caught a revelation of the ultimate of God's plan that God wants all men to be saved. Praise God. Now, Paul begins to pick up this in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go to Ephesians 4 now, verse 17 to 24. The new man in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17 to 24. These I said therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart I want you to observe certain words that Paul says he talks about the, the futility of their mind it talks about their understanding darkened, telling us the characteristics of the old man. When Adam fell, this was actually what happened to him. The Bible it goes on to say, he was alienated from the life of God. Now this, in Ephesians 4, verse 17, Paul is describing the old man. He's describing the man without God. So when Adam actually disobeyed God, this became a description of his life. Go on. It says, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to walk all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him, and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful deceitful lust and being renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man this is what I want to pick which was created according to God understand the description of the new man. He says this new man, this new creation that Paul <laughs> spends almost all of his life describing. He says this new man was created according to God. Are, are you following this? That the mode of this new man was God kind. That when this new man was being created, it was modeled after God. Look at this. That you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and what? And holiness. When, when Adam disobeyed God, Romans chapter 5 verse 12, what happened is that sin passed down to all of humanity. And God needed to solve that problem. You see, sin is a big problem. We don't think it is, but it is. Why do we have a lot of armed robbery, kidnapping, and all sort of stuff? People say it is unemployment. No, unemployment is the fruit. The root is sin. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, there are a lot of born-again children of God who are unemployed, who are not kidnapping. What is restraining them? You know, even sometimes when you hear believers talk, you, you, you just see that sometimes they don't even understand the scripture. Ah, it's government. It's because there's no job. Ah, it's unemployment. Why is your governor stealing from you? Is he unemployed? He's not. But there is something in his heart. It's called the greed of the old man that can only be cured by the contentment that Christ brings. Are you following what I'm saying? So, the thing about the gospel has nothing to do with what you have or what you don't have. The gospel actually is a new life entirely. It's a new life entirely. It says you have not so learned Christ. Meaning, listen, <laughs> this is something we have to learn. 
When we have become new men in Christ, we have to learn how to live this life. That's why we come to church. We don't just come to church so God can bless us. We come to church so we can learn how to live this life. Actually, we come to church to learn more about who we are. So our church services are revelations of our identity. It's like trying to describe who you are to you and say, listen guy, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. You hear it long enough until you begin to accept the reality of it. Praise God. Are you still here? Now let's go on. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Popular verse of scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And let's start reading from verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus. That if one died for all, then all died. Think about that. Think about that. Our identification with Christ. Look at this. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. You know, when you become a new man in Christ, it changes what you call your purpose. You now have one purpose in life. You might have different things you do on the earth, but there's only one purpose in life. What's that purpose? To bring many to righteousness. That becomes your ultimate purpose. The gospel becomes your priority. The proclamation of salvation becomes your heartbeat. Are you still here? You know, sometimes I, I, I look at believers and they say, ah, you know, ah, I don't want to get committed to church. I don't want to become a pastor. I don't want to become... I'm like, what's wrong with you? You should be glad. <laughs> look at this. Therefore, okay, verse 15, and he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, from this moment after resurrection, after Jesus had been resurrected, from now on, no we, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now know him thus no longer. Therefore, you know, which therefore now? Therefore, because of this revelation of Christ, if anyone is in Christ, the location in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Go to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 4. We'll come back here. Go to Ephesians 3 4. Thank you Lord Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 4. Ephesians 3 4. Paul was writing. He says, <laughs> he was writing, you know, you see, I told you in the first session, I said, why did God use Paul to teach the truths of the new creation? Because to Paul, it was not theoretical. Are you following what I'm saying? It was not theory. This was a man who actually supervised the killing of Stephen. He actually supervised the killing of Stephen. He actually took letters from the religious authorities to persecute Christians. And let me tell you how dangerous was, how dangerous Paul was. Paul was so dangerous that it took God to stop him. Uh, maybe the church would have reported. Maybe they would have prayed. It took the Lord Jesus to stop him on the road to Damascus. A light shone on his eyes. That's how <laughs> dangerous the man was. And then, Amazingly, if you were God, 
Would you use that man to do a mighty work? You would not. You would look for a man who has never done any evil. You will look for a man who has never sinned as it were. You would look for one of your trusted disciples. But no. Not God. Do you know why? Because immediately saw God born again, those accounts were cancelled. So there was no difference between Paul now and a baby who just got born like today without any sin in quote now, who has not done anything wrong. We're not talking about the sin of Adam now. There was no difference in the eyes of God. And so he could boldly proclaim the truths of the new creation because he was a perfect example of one. Are you still here? Now he writes to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 4. Let's, let's read from verse 1. For this reason, I Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed, look at how bold this man started speaking. You have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. How that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery. I want you to observe that word, the mystery. As I have briefly, briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Look at Paul speaking. Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. As is now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. And partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Paul calls that a mystery. That by hearing the gospel and accepting the gospel, you become a partaker of the body of Christ. That the Jews no longer hold a special place, a more special place than you. Now go on, he says, of which I became a minister according to the gift of, of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Now go to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. Let's, let's look at this mystery. Colossians 1, 27. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Colossians 1, 27. Let's start reading from verse 24. And I rejoice in my sufferings for you. And fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. For the sake of his body which is the church. Of which I became a minister. According to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Remember, this was the same phrase he used when he was writing to the Ephesians. The dispensation of grace. And what was Paul trying to say? Paul was saying that there is a revelation of God's grace to the Gentiles that have been given to me for your sake. That there's something I've seen in the word of God as revealed by God to me. And this is what I want to communicate to you. What is a mystery? Mystery is something that is hidden. But it was a mystery as of when Paul was writing it. But it's no longer a mystery to us. Why? Because Paul says, I'm writing it so that when you read it, you might understand it. Are you still here? Now go on. It says... Verse what now? Colossians 1. Let's do verse 24 or 25. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Verse 26. The mystery, the same word, which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Okay. Pay attention. In Ephesians, he says that mystery is being revealed to his apostles and prophets. Right? Right? Yeah? Did you follow that? But here, what did he say? He says the mystery has now been revealed to the saints. What does that tell us? That God does not want this thing to be a mystery to anybody. 
He wants the apostles to catch it. He wants the prophets to catch it. He also wants the saints to catch it. Now what is that mystery? Verse 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is Christ in you the hope of glory. What is that mystery? Christ in the new creation. That, you see, everything about Paul's life was defined in these two words. Christ in man. And, you see, this is what is difficult for religious minds to comprehend. They don't still, they don't still want it. How will Christ, the righteous one, the holy one, how will he live in me? Then you hear people pray, oh God, I'm a mere clay. I'm unworthy to stand in your presence. You are unworthy to stand in the presence of God? No, you're not. His blood has washed you clean. You are justified. You are sanctified. Glory to God. You are redeemed. You are not the son of the most high God. You are not unworthy to stand in the presence of God. You are actually seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Glory to God. That's who you are. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Paul says this is the mystery that I've been hidden in ages past, but is now been revealed. He wants every saint to catch on this. He wants every believer to feel this. That when you walk, you know Christ is in me. When you're bathing, you know Christ is in me. When you're flying on the air, you know Christ is in me. Walking on water, you know Christ is in me. Wherever you, you are, you have a revelation of the unity of Christ and man. It will change everything about you. Are you hearing this? It will change everything about you. It will change the way you pray. It will change the way you talk. It will change the way you walk. It will change your conversation. It will change your desires. Knowing that Christ dwells on the inside of me. It will make you bold. No longer will you approach life out of fear. No longer will you be afraid of tomorrow. No longer will you say, oh, I don't know what the future holds. You know what the future holds. It holds the same thing that it holds for Christ. Are you following what I'm saying? Your fears have vanished. He says it's a mystery. But it's now been revealed. Are you still here? This is the new man. You know, believers need to rise up again in boldness. The boldness of the truth of God's word. For so long, we have lived below our spiritual potentials. We've lived as the ones that need help. All our programs are tagged how God is going to help us. Boldness is gone away from us. Fear everywhere. Christ didn't die to make you fearful. You know, it's, it's a thing of shame today that you hear believers say, I can't go to the village. Ah, those people, they are powerful. You don't know them. In fact, someone told me one time. He says, ah, you know, hey, it's because the devil has not tempted you. If the devil, you will know that the devil is powerful. A believer. You know, one day, I heard someone come to me. He said, oh, pastor, I ate in the dream. I said, wow. You ate in the dream? He says, I want you to pray for me. So I, I told my staff they should get water. So she thought I was going to pray on this holy water and give to her to drink. You understand all of that? And I gave her the water to drink. And when she was done, I said, okay, it's fine. Next person said, ah, pastor, you not pray. I said, no, when people finish eating, eating, what do they do? They drink water and then they go home. That's it. That's it. I don't know if they'll poison me in the dream. Poison you in the dream? Who are you in the first place? 
And who is that who is going to poison you? Ah, pastor, you don't understand these African demons. No, no, there's only one thing for me to understand. The mystery that Christ is now in me. That understanding settles everything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Settles everything. I've even heard people say, you know, it's not those tongues you are speaking. Those tongues are evil tongues. Really? Really? No. That's the language of the new man in Christ. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be heavy. It don't know. It's a language that is backed up by the heaven itself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You must understand these truths. And they must change your life. These truths must begin to give you a new level of excitement. A new level of rejoicing. A new level of joy. Knowing that Christ lives on the inside of you. Are you hearing this? The scripture calls it the joy of our salvation. The joy of our salvation. It's almost like you don't have anything around you. But you know I'm saved. I'm born again. I now belong to God. God is my father. You are no longer, you know, you don't want, when you want to pray, when you want to pray, you are no longer saying, there's nothing wrong with that, but you're no longer saying, oh, the one who is the way maker, the one who passed the Red Sea, the one who fetches water without basket or with basket, iron bender, you know, break out stone, timber and caliber. You're no longer calling God all those names. They are beautiful names, but you're no longer calling God all those names. You just go to him and say, Father. He is now your father. You are now his son. He says he has given us the spirit of adoption that we're no more afraid, but we can now cry what? Abba, Father, God. We can call him father. It changes everything about our relationship with God. It changes everything. You can just say, Father, thank you. Are you following what I'm saying? He's no longer, he's no longer, I don't know those names, beautiful names they call God. He's no longer those ancient of days. He is. But to me, he's Papa. To me, he's God. Why? Because the spirit of adoption is in my spirit now. And it bears witness with my spirit that I'm a son of God. Are you following what I'm saying? So when we tell people that certain things can't happen to us, they say, ah, why are you talking like that? No, we're not talking like that because, you know, we have a, a backup plan. No, we're talking that way because we're conscious of who we carry. It's, it's, it's a consciousness that we have grown in. Like I told you when I was teaching you on faith, it's no longer, you know, people just go like they want to do faith confession. Right? It's no longer, I cannot be poor. I cannot be poor. I cannot be poor. I cannot be No, no, no. You know, sometimes those confessions are out of fear. You are afraid of being poor. <laughs> you know? Oh, I, I cannot be sick. I cannot be sick. Ah, me? I cannot be sick. Calm down. Calm down. We believe, therefore we speak. Once the believing is settled, the speaking is normal. It won't be, I want to confess. It will just be your daily, you see, let me explain something to you. Your daily conversations are actually confessions. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, there are times you might take the word of God and say, I want to intentionally confess the word of God. But you realize this, once you're possessed by the spirit of faith, your daily talk are actually confessions. Praise God. Are you still here? Let, let's, let's examine something. Paul, in the book of Romans, summarizes the gospel. Paul, in the book of Romans, summarizes the gospel. So let's look at it now. Summarizes the process of the new man. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me show you something first. Let me show you something. Go to Ephesians 1.13. Let me show you something here. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. Are you getting blessed? If you are, say amen. Praise God. Ephesians 1, 13. In him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. (laughs) 
the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You see, one of the things that happens to you when you get born again is that the Holy Spirit seals you. You're sealed. Be conscious of that seal. Be conscious of that stamp. The scripture calls it the guarantee of our inheritance. Are you following what I'm saying? It's like you go and process your form or you go and buy a form for admission or something and then you buy the form for maybe 5,000 or whatever amounts, $10 or something and the registrar says, oh, I've seen your form and stamps it. Right? Now, when you go to your uncle or whoever you want to meet and you say, I have an admission now to that school and you say, so, 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 and so school. They say, where's your admission later? And you show them and they see the stamp of the school, the, the stamp of the registrar. You see, that's a guarantee that you have admission. Are you following what I'm saying? You don't, you know, when you say you now have admission say, to which school, you say, well, um, University of Podakot. You don't, you, you can't carry the school to your uncle. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? You can't carry the school and no, you just show them a letter with the stamp of the school. That's why sometimes when they ask you for uh, referees that they should reference letters, sometimes they'll say stamped. Why? They just want to see a symbol. Are you following what I'm saying? Or for instance, those who work in the bank, when you go to the bank, you want to apply for your visa, they said, print out a statement of account and let them stamp it. Why are they asking for the bank to stamp it? It's for them, for the, for the bank to, for the embassy to guarantee that you actually took it from the bank. Because you can go and print whatever statement and then it's not stamped. So the Holy Spirit on your inside is a guarantee that you're saved. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the guarantee of your salvation is the person of the Holy Spirit on your inside. So we are sealed. Praise God. We are sealed with the Holy Ghost. It should be a consciousness on your inside. I've said it many times and I'll keep saying it. Some people don't like it, but I'll keep saying it. As a believer, you're not the one who is inviting the Holy Spirit. We acknowledge His presence. He is in us. Even before we got to here that we call church, He was here. So what do we do? We acknowledge Him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's how we approach prayers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When I say, oh, let's invite him. Let's invite him. Without him, we are not in. Oh, oh, no, no, no. We are not without him. Do you understand that? We are not without him. You you see, you have to learn that. You see, when you become a new man in Christ, you have to change the way you talk. You have to renew your mind. Based on your, we are not the ones without him. Let me show you something. Go to First Corinthians chapter six, verse seventeen. First Corinthians chapter six, verse seventeen. What is humility? Humility is not. Let me let me give you an example. Let's say, for instance. You, you have a child, right? You have a child. Now, most of you are parents. And then your child, he wants to talk to you about something. Then your child starts crawling to you. From a very, from a far place. And you know, sometimes people misinterpret what you teach. So you've got to understand what I'm saying in context. Right? Now, your child starts crawling towards you. Start crawling. And he said, what do you want to say? Say, oh, I'm unworthy. <laughs> I'm unworthy to talk to you. Who am I? Foolish boy. <laughs> Stupid boy. Ah, who am I to behold you, my great father, husband to my mother? 
<laughs> Doctor from Uniport. Who am I? Oh, no. you know, how many of you are going to be happy about that? I'm not sure you will. Do you know that sometimes when you are in the midst of people and your child runs to you and asks you something, there's a kind of a pride that comes in your heart. Even though you feel the boy is disturbing you. But there's a sense of, I'm a father. Do you, do you understand that? And, and you find out, let me explain something to you. I'll, I'll, I'll read this now. You find out something. The older you get in, in Christianity, if you are not properly taught, the farther away you feel God is far from you. Let me explain this. It happens in your natural, um, with your natural children. You discover that if you, and if you don't properly develop your communication with your children, when they become teenagers, they become estranged from you. Right? But the youngest, there's a, there's a, there's a degree of boldness that every young child has. It will bust into your room. You know, I remember one time I was in the office back in our bonnie church and I saw my daughter. She was dragging one of that young chap, her age, right straight to my bathroom. Just, she just, she just, she was just dragging the girl. I said, where are you going to? She said, ah, no, she wants to wee. Now, you must understand something. This is my office. This is my restroom. There's another office with another restroom. There's the one outside for everybody. But you know that in her mind, it didn't come across that, let's go to that. He said, why? Where my father's own? He said, come, let's go to here. Now, you realize something. You see, for her, my son wouldn't do that. But you know something? It is because, now I'm talking about the natural time. It's because for her, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even say, don't try that again. Because in, in, in my mind, she wouldn't even understand why. You know, but if it's my son, I'll not say, listen, you can't bring everybody here. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm beginning to train him to put boundaries. Unfortunately, somehow, that's how church has taught us. Every day you come, you hear, who are you to approach God? Who are you? Motama! If prayer does not work, try praise. You now begin to hear all kinds of teachings. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say, I don't lift up holy hands. What, are, what hands are you lifting? How can your hands be holy? Keep them down. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And after 10 years of Christianity, you can't even approach God anymore. Because even the God, you don't understand him. One time he's happy, another time he's angry, one time he wants to kill everybody. You don't know who is this God. But you just realize that when you just accepted the Lord, or when you just gave, gave your life to Christ, there was a joy. There was, you know, you didn't know so much. The little you knew, you ran with it. Some of you want more souls to Christ. Immediately you got born again than after you stayed in church. Why? You just heard the good news. He excited your spirit. You ran out to the streets. Then you now sat in church. Say the Greek word for soul winning is sokaria. It means not to run out. To stay and, and before you know, you know so much Greek word. You can't even get someone born again. You meet someone say, are you born again? Say, no, say the Hebrew word for born again in that verse. If you look at that word born again, the comma is after born. It's not after again. You know, so at the end, we start arguing over ourselves on Facebook. Souls are not saved. You know why? Because somehow our relationship with our father is becoming estranged. One of the things I want this conference to do for you is to reignite your love for God. To reignite your closeness to God. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Now I said First Corinthians chapter. Chapter what now? Chapter 6. Verse 17. Let's read that. First Corinthians 6, 17. I read, I read this scripture because I was talking about. We're not the ones that are estranged from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Do you know that? Let me explain something to you. What you focus on. Has a long, has a, it goes a long way to affect your understanding of scripture. Now, if you look at this verse, most of the times we always read this verse alongside sexual immorality. Which, you know, of course, that's what Paul was trying to talk about when he was warning them about their body being the temple of the Holy Ghost. But when you isolate this scripture, 
in as first Corinthians 6 17 and meditate on it alone without that context it will give you a very powerful truth look at what it says it says he who is joined to the lord is one spirit with him that's a powerful truth now because when you got born again you actually got joined to the lord Are you following what I'm saying? So you cannot be... Is it, <laughs> you have to be conscious of this. You have to be really conscious of this. You have to work in it. And you know this will keep you from sin. When you know that I'm joined to the Lord, I can't do this. That's why Paul's trying to teach them. Paul's trying to listen, you can't do this. Because you're one with the Lord. You can't take your body and start misbehaving right now because you're one with the Lord. So Paul wasn't teaching them this just because they were fornicating. He was trying to teach them that, listen, this reality should keep you away from that. That your body is a temple of the Lord. Instead of using it for that, why don't you use it to go heal the sick? Why don't you use it for something more advantageous to the kingdom? Because you're not joined to the Lord. That's who the new man in Christ is. He's joined to the Lord. Glory to God. He sets you free. Your recreated human spirit has become one with God. That's what it actually means to be born again. You are now his son. You see, I explained this to you. Why we look at Paul's theology of salvation in Romans chapter, in the book of Romans. Go to Romans chapter 6 while I explain this to you. Let me explain this to you. Uh, one of the surest ways of testing for fatherhood or paternity is through the DNA text. Right. Now, you know, the DNA, <laughs> it doesn't lie. They're going to find out if you're, you see, we have the DNA of God in us. You see, God cannot call us his sons if we do not have it. <laughs> do you realize that? God won't say you are his son if you do. I mean, you can't. So when we actually got born again, we receive the spirit of the father in us. So we have to renew our mind. Remember what we read when we started. Our mind has been alienated. So we have, that's why we need to constantly hear these teachings. We have to renew our mind to this reality. That we're sons of God. It will change everything about you. You know, I'll tell you this. This reality is so ingrained in my spirit that, funny enough, I'm, sometimes I look at my life and I'm like, I'm so close to some of my Christian brothers and sisters, I'm even closer to them than my natural family members. I mean, I know that there are people who are believers who will do so much more for me than some of my natural family members will do for me. Why? It's because the blood of Jesus have joined us and we're one body. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, if we come to this realization, it will solve this issue of tribes. Racism can only be solved in the gospel. There's no, listen, there's no amount of theory. There's no amount of philosophy. There's nothing that will solve it. It's when a man becomes ingrained in Christ and he begins to see this other person as his brother and his sister that will eliminate racism. Some of you, your closest friends are from other tribes, but you don't know them after the flesh. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, some of my closest friends in the faith, we were discussing one day and we just realized that ah, we don't even know where you are from. Why? It has never become a subject of discussion. We, we never thought about it. We now began to say, oh, so if someone asks us where is your village, we don't have any clue. We just know that. I mean, <laughs> do you understand? But some of you, it's a lie. Your cultural nuances superimpose himself in the scripture. You see, look there. And the Bible say, Amen. No, no. I know what the Bible say. But in my village, where we are from, where are you from? 
You know, so you see, you realize something now. Listen to this now. You realize that that's why sometimes our faith doesn't work. When it comes to some issues, we say we're a new creation in Christ. Then it comes to some other issue. We throw away the new creation reality. We want to do it the way that our village. So you realize that you have a double identity. You have to decide, are you a believer or not? If you are, the word of God becomes your final authority. It doesn't matter. Let 10,000 villagers say this. It's your final authority. I remember when I got born again and I went, we're going to be going there on Sunday with my family. My dad started a church in, in a village called Jankrama down there. And then, while he was teaching, and then, uh, people from our village, there's this, um, animal they don't eat. So I went there to preach. I was very young then. I just, maybe I just left secondary school. So my dad sent me there. I went there to preach. And, uh, they served the food. And that animal was there. So I ate it. No, without a prayer point. I didn't even pray, oh God, as I'm eating it. Let, no, 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 no. It was not a prayer point because right from day one, my dad had raised us with the consciousness of who we are in Christ. And I had a friend of mine who always walks with this double identity. He says, oh, my village, we don't eat this. We don't eat this. We don't eat this. Then he went somewhere. Not for missions. And I just went somewhere. And they served him that stuff. He didn't know. When he finished eating, they told him. Ha! Ah, when they told him, this guy almost died. I'm dying. I'm dead. Ah, I'm finished. You know what? Ratchets began to come from his body and all of that. He now told me that, ah, no, we have to contribute money for him to go to the village or this thing. He has to buy goats. I said, let's pray. He said, this is not prayer. It's not everything that is prayer. They have to buy goats. I said, okay, no problem. He actually bought goats. <laughs> I went to the village. And yet you see that man in church with Bible. Then tomorrow he will say he's not working. How will the word work? The word only works for believers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We must have to renew our mind. Praise God. Let's look at Paul's theology of the new creation. And then we can begin to wrap up there. Are you getting blessed tonight? Say amen if you are. Romans chapter 6. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Romans chapter 6. Verse 1, and we'll stop at verse 12. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Everybody say, certainly not. So I want to, I want to be big and be clear on this. Grace is never a criteria for you to continue in sin. Paul was clear on that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, someone say, yeah, but if people don't understand this grace message, they will sin. People are already sinning without understanding anything. You see, the fact that people are sinning does not mean we now stop preaching the truth. Don't you understand what I'm saying? You see, we must understand something about truth. Our experience does not change truth. Truth is truth. We are saved by grace. No amount of misbehavior will change that truth. That salvation is a gift of God. But Paul now says, are we going to continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us, of, of us, as we're baptized into Christ, into his death, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into his death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also shall walk in the what? Newness of life. What newness of life is that? It's the life of the new creation. This was Paul's theology to the Romans. Let's read on. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly also we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. 
That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. You see, one of the things that the, 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 the sacrifice of Jesus accomplished for us on the cross is that we should not be slaves of sin. That we now have dominion over sin. That every believer has the authority to overcome sin. Listen, that... It, listen, that if you are a child of God and you are still sinning, it is because you have not exercised your authority. If you want to stop sinning, all you have to do is to exercise your authority and walk away from it. Why? Because the power of sin to hold you bound has been destroyed. That's where grace comes in. Praise God. Now look at this. For he who has died has been freed from sin. <laughs> Amazing. The grip of sin over our lives have been broken. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the dead that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, ye also. This is our identification. This is Paul's theology of identification. What does that mean? That in Christ, for us to become the new man in Christ, we identify with Christ just as Christ identified with us. Are you following this? Now, let's read on. Likewise, ye also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon yourself. You do that. Okay? Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. And do not present your members. So you see, when, when Paul starts talking about sin, he says, therefore, do not let sin. He's now telling you, you don't let it. He's not speaking as if sin has authority over you. I, I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. He's now speaking as if, listen, this thing called sin, you are the one who now decides. It, it's not, ah, the devil, devil is strong, oh, you don't even know, I, no, no, he's not strong. The devil has been defeated. Stop attributing powers to him that doesn't exist. That's why sometimes I don't get it. When I see certain church program, he say altar versus altar. Which altar? Versus which altar? Is it like God is fighting with the devil? I don't understand it. Power versus power. Power must change hands. You see, if you, if you, if you say power must change hands, this is what it simply means. This is what it simply means. Is that power is going to leave the hands of God to the hands of the devil. That's what it actually means. Because before Jesus ascended, he made one statement. All power in heaven and on earth belongs to me. Go therefore. So if you are now saying that power must change hands, what you are actually saying is that power should go to the hands of the devil. Because the devil has been conquered. The keys to the, <laughs> to death and life now belongs to our God. Glory to God. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That you should obey its lust. So you can choose to obey it. Or choose to say, no way. I'm the one with the authority. Let's read on. Praise God. Let's read on. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourself to God as being alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Instead of using your hands to do evil, use them to heal the sick. Present those same hands as instruments of righteousness. Instead of using your mouth to curse people all the time, use it to lead worship. Use that mouth as an instrument of righteousness. Present it to God. Look at this. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the Lord. But under grace. Under the Lord, they did not have the authority and the power over sin. But under grace, they have the authority. Because grace confers the power on you. Praise God. So in Paul's theology of the new creation, in Romans chapter 6 verse 2, Paul says we died to sin. He was emphatic about that. 
that when Christ was crucified, we died to sin. Then in Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, he says, we were baptized into his death. That means the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we were part of it. When a man becomes born again, the spirit records that process to his account. Are you, are you, are you following what I'm saying? So, you see, the matter of salvation is both a legal issue and a practical issue. When I mean by legal issue, what do I mean? The claims of justice had to be satisfied by Jesus for us to be born again. Because the wages of sin is death, Christ had to literally pay that. So that legally we are righteous. Are you still here? That's why the blood of animals couldn't save. Because by the terms of justice, it was not the same as the blood of man. So we have to have a man, the incarnation of Christ. The mystery of godliness, God on the earth, in the form of man, taking our place, substituting for us, becoming our exchange. You see, the, these truths are truths we need to dwell in for days until it becomes a reality in our spirit that what Christ actually did was that he took your place. And that is why you have to take his place in righteousness. Are you following what I'm saying? He took your place. I like, I like what a Christian philosopher, it's one of the best quotes I like in my life. A quote by C.S. Lewis, a man called C.S. Lewis. He says, the son of God became the son of man so that the sons of men can become the sons of God. Oh, I like that. It, it's almost like we should put it in scriptures. It's the summary of the gospel. The son of God became the son of man. So that the sons of men will become the sons of God. Glory to God. We are now the sons of God. Hallelujah. He took our place. It must become a strong reality. That's why you should not expect what others expect. You're a different breed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ah, this is our compound. That is how it happens to everybody in the compound. Who is everybody? You are not the masses. You are not part of the masses. You are different. You are a child of God. It changes everything about you. Hallelujah. It changes everything about you. It changes how you see yourself. You're no longer rating yourself by what you wear. You know, I'm wearing this designer. I, uh, God has blessed me. Bless you because of a piece of cloth. It can never be as the blessing he gave you when you got born again. Have you realized something? How sometimes poor people kill themselves over dresses? If you walk with really wealthy people, you see that they care less. They'll just wear sandals, just wear something. And then in your, in your poor mind, not your own, now somebody else's poor mind. They'll say, man, do you know how much that t-shirt cost? Forget that t-shirt. They didn't buy it in Nigeria. Maybe the guy was just passing through traffic and saw the t-shirt. And just decided to wear it. The, the fact is because he's wearing it, it has changed value. He said, don't leave that sandals. You know, that sandals can buy your village. It's a lie. It's the same sandals you are wearing. But you see a poor man, he will go and, and borrow money and do this. Don't dress well. He said, I don't want anybody to look down on me. Ah, no. In this life, you, you are, you are dressing the way you are dressed or you dress the way you are dressed. He will give parable, all of that to cover his identity. But you must know who you are in Christ. That's the strongest identity you should carry. Even if there are holes in your shoes, tell yourself, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even if you wake up in one room, it doesn't change who you are. It's the same access you have to God. Glory to God. It changes everything about you. 
It changes your boldness. It changes your utterance. It changes your confidence about the issues of life. Praise God. Let's finish this up. Paul's theology of justification. We were buried with him. Romans 6, 4. You were buried with him. In Romans 6, 4 again, he says we were raised up with him. Romans 6, 4. Put it on the board. We were raised up with him. We were raised up with him. You were resurrected. We were buried with him through baptism into his death. We were resurrected with him. The resurrection is not an event. It's a person. Jesus walked up to Mary and Martha. He says, I know my brother will rise again on the last day. Jesus said, no. This is not a question of the last day. I am the resurrection and the life. Glory to God. I am. The resurrection is a person. It's not a day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We were raised up with him. In Romans 6, 6. It says we were crucified. Our old man was nailed on the cross. That is why I'll make a very bold statement. The new creation does not have a past. It does not exist. He's a new man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm a new man. You see, this is what we should tell people. You know, most times we're like, let's go through your past. What happened? You need to be healed from the past. And people say, okay, when I was 14, somebody slapped me. You know, after that slap, I no longer had confidence. Because of that slap, it's okay. When you, oh, I go back to when you were 13, where there was no slap there. When I was 14, yeah, somebody knocked my head. Since then, my self-esteem went down, okay? It's good. You go through all those therapy sessions. Say, okay, talk about it. Then you talk, say, cry. If you need to cry, start crying. Uh, uh, okay, no problem. <laughs> but there's something I know. Peter betrayed Jesus. He said, I don't know him. Three times. And I have wonderful friends who do all that. So I'm not against that. I'm just saying something, something else. Peter betrayed Jesus. Denied Jesus flat. He's not uh, denial of, uh, I think I know him. Say, I don't know him. I don't. Ah, the girl say, ah. I said, ah, oh boy, ah, God forbid. I don't know him. You know, if it was some of you, remember what, what, what we taught yesterday night? That God is abundant in mercy. Peter will never appear in your church again. You just look at him from the cross. Say, wait, let me resurrect. When I finish it, I will deal with you. After resurrection, you deny me. <laughs> I will finish you. And Peter says, I said, Can we come back to the church? Which church? Jay said, You don't know me. No, no go, go, go to the other pastor. I will lay a curse on you for denying me, me, your master. <laughs> but you know what? Peter denied Jesus three times. And Jesus looked at him. But the Bible tells us that on the day of Pentecost, after that, the Holy Ghost came on Peter. That Peter standing among the eleven lifted of his voice and preached about Jesus from the Old Testament right down to the book of Jewel. And the Bible says on that day, 3,000 souls were added. The same man who betrayed Jesus, one touch of the Holy Ghost removed that timidity from him. When they were caught, he says, who shall we obey? You, I mean, this was Peter. The Holy Ghost will do more for you in one day than a thousand therapy sessions will do for you. He's that powerful. He will erase your past. Praise the name of the Lord. He will change your life forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We must understand the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I'm very shy. I don't know how to talk. The Holy Ghost will make you bold. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. You know, some of you go about and say, I was born this way. I don't like to hear that from believers. That's why we say be born again. You were born this way. The Spirit of God can change you. Praise God. 
We know people who were introverts who couldn't face a crowd. And today God is making them preach the, the message of God to millions. Only the Holy Ghost can do that. Praise the name of the Lord. Paul's theology, he says we're no longer slaves to sin. Paul ends his theology of redemption by exerting our dominion over sin. Because in the garden, Adam didn't have that dominion. It was like sin dominating him. But Paul never ends his theology of redemption without emphasizing our rights. That we are the ones who now have dominion over sin. From today, every area of your life where you're still struggling, that dominion is released right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's, let's be on our feet. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's thank him for the truths of redemption. Let's thank him for the truths of redemption. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, Rasha Bahata. Let's thank him for the truths of redemption. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ratos Lebrado Seke Bahata. Oh, Radesco Tolomondo Shabahata. Let's thank him for the truths of redemption. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's thank him for the light of redemption. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Raka Sote Lebrada Dabaha. Mambro Seke Telebredo Sega Bahada. We're new men in Christ. We're new men in Christ. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I know who I am. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm born of the Spirit of God. Christ lives in me. He dwells in me. My mother body oh, is rejuvenated. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 805 